Well, if you do have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5 this morning. We're going to begin in John chapter 5, this morning's message. John chapter, John chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. Before we begin, let us seek the Lord's blessing and His uh, mercy upon us. Father, we come before you and we look to you and you alone as the one who can help and to strengthen and to reveal yourself to us. We are so blind and hard of hearing and we cannot seem to grasp so often who you are, where you're at work, what it is you're doing, your power, your goodness, your greatness, your mercy, your love. All these things, Father, we need you to reveal them to us, to open our eyes so that we might see. Be merciful to us this morning, Father, and work in us. Reveal yourself to us that we might know you and what it is you're doing better after today. For we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to look at what it means that God is always at work around us and how it is we experience him as a result of that. That's what we're going to cover. We're going to look at what does it mean that God is at work around us constantly and continuously. And of course, when we understand this, when we get, come to the place where we say, okay, I get what this is talking about, one of the things that happens is it should relieve in a lot of ways a large burden from us as i've looked at before we should in one sense think wow this is great news because once i see and realize that god is at work and what he does he chooses to use me when he chooses to use me and he works through me it it puts the burden on him knowing that dad he's at work he doesn't need me and that's a comforting truth to realize that it's like oh dean i'm counting on you buddy if you can't perform for me you know um it's I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, you're benched. At the same time that I say that, however, there's nothing more exciting in our lives than when God uses us. When you're used by God and you watch God do something through your life, that's exciting. In fact... When God is doing that, have you ever, if you've experienced that, you'll, you'll afterwards think that is the most exciting, blessed thing I could ever do in my life, is to be used by God. Watching God work through your life, watching him do what he does, and there you are being used. What a wonderful experience that is. And afterwards, you just praise the Lord and give him thanks because it's so delightful to have him use you. In fact, when he's doing it, you feel like you're fulfilling the purpose for which you were made, to be used by your maker. It's it's an amazing concept, really. But before we look and talk about what this looks like in our lives, we need to see that with Jesus as the perfect son, he shows us what it means to walk with the Father to see where it is the Father's at work, and then to join him in that work. This is why we're in John chapter 5. 
John chapter 5, if you'll look, verses 19 through 20. We see here that the Father was at work and Jesus followed. John chapter 5, starting at verse 19. We looked at this actually briefly last week. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Isn't that a, does that strike you at all? The Son, he's the Son of God, can do nothing of his only cor, accord, accord, of his own accord, sorry, but only what he sees the Father doing. So the Son doesn't do anything on his own, he only does what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise, follows him. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is doing. And greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. What we're told here is that Jesus actually sees the Father at work. He joins him in that work that he's doing. And he doesn't do anything on his own accord. He basically says, I don't do anything. I don't. And we've looked at last week and, and at other times that Jesus does, the, he says, I don't even speak except what the Father gives me. I don't do anything unless the Father reveals it to me. I follow the Father constantly. It's, it's Jesus's delight, the perfect Son of God, his delight and his joy is to follow his Father and do whatever he's doing. And of course, we know that Jesus experienced life on earth a little different than we do. After all, he was God in the flesh. And so we see at many, many occasions, he's actually able to discern people's thoughts. That's a pretty significant advantage to look around and actually, he says, he knows what you're thinking. He knows who has a demon and who doesn't. He knows exactly where the spirit is at work. So there is a, there's a distinct advantage Jesus has as the, as the son with the father. But nonetheless, Jesus is fully, fully man. He's a human, just like us, in every capacity except without sin. And so what we see here, he is a fully functioning human being. Yes, he was God, but we see this relationship as the son of God with the father and this dynamic, which is just profound, to tell you the truth. The more I look at this and think about this, you realize that submission and service is part of who God is. Jesus is his joy. It's his delight to submit, to serve, to give his life to his father. And says, and I don't even want to speak unless it's his words. This was Jesus' passion. Have you ever watched a child, a small child with his fa- father, goes out to work, or be, say the garage or the yard with his dad and as he's following him around, he, he wants to do everything that he's doing. He's in there in the garage, and if dad puts on the tool belt, the son wants to put on the tool belt. Dad walks away, and he, he walks the same way as dad walks. He's imitating, and, and he grabs the wood and wants to cut it, and the kid wants to put his hands on there and cut it with him. And, and it's true that you don't get much done when he's there doing these kinds of things. But, you know, when they're real small, it's very cute, right? That's so cute. And, uh, and so we do it because it's, it's, it's pretty neat to see how much he wants to follow and imitate his father. And then as he gets older, a lot of times, you know, we still, 
we still want to follow, we still want to be like dad, we still want to do these things, but we become more and more, as we grow, self-conscious and we realize that's not cool. So you don't really want to do that. But in so many ways, you want to imitate, you want to follow, you want to, whatever he's doing, that's what you want to do. And then, depending on that relationship, if it gets strained, it just diverges over time. But with Jesus, it never did that, with his father. He always wanted to follow the father. Always wanted to be doing what the Father was doing. Always. He says, this is, this is my life. This is it. To follow the Father. To do what it is the Father is doing. The Father reveals his works to me and I, and I, and I do them. He joins him in it. And this is how Jesus lived. And likewise for us. Just like us. We, Jesus is at work. As we're going to see and find out here. And we're to follow in the same way. In the same way that Jesus did the Father. Jesus said, if you turn over actually to John 14 now, a few chapters later. John 14, verse 19, which a section that was read for us this morning. It says this in John 14, 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. We all know what's going to happen. The disciples, when they heard that, they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? He knows that he's about to be crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. But, but he says, this is his, but you will see me. The world will see me no more, but you will see me. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? How will they see him? That must have been super confusing. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know. This is what you will know. You will know that I am in the Father and you in me. And I in you. It's, what's going to happen is there's a really unique relationship is going to be established. And this relationship Jesus has with the Father then, it's likened to the relationship we're going to have with Jesus and the Father once the Spirit comes. In John chapter 17, verse 18, where Jesus is praying to the Father, this is that great prayer, the high priestly prayer as it's called. He said, as you sent me into the world... He's saying to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world in the same way. And then throughout John, this chapter 14 all the way through 17, these, these four chapters, Jesus is paralleling this relationship that he has with the Father to the relationship his disciples have with him. Again in John chapter 14, verse 20. Jesus says, as, as we read, I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. In John 15, 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love, the way I abide in my Father's love. I abide in my Father. John 16, 13 through 15, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Do you notice even here, the spirit of truth, he's just like Jesus also. He does not speak on his own authority. He doesn't do it on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He's just like Jesus, right? And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. 
All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So do you see this pattern? It's constantly this, in the Godhead, there's this submission, there's this service. And he's going to take us and bring us into this circle. And I and me, you and me, he and you, and we're all one together. And what's going to happen is, as the Father sent me, so I sent you. And the Spirit is going to come, and the Spirit's going to unite with you. And you're going to be brought into this great relationship where there's submission, and there's service, and there's delight, and there's joy, and there's glory in glorifying the others in serving, in submitting to, in speaking and declaring the wonderful works of God. And this is how it, it ends, actually, in John chapter 17. John 17, verses 20 through 23, Jesus prays. He says, I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples that are currently with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one. How? Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, the same way, that the relationship would be the same way, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you've loved me. Jesus, throughout this whole section, is doing something profound. He's transferring a relationship he has with the Father by the Spirit. And he says the Spirit's going to come and he's going to create this new dynamic relationship. And it's going to be just like the Father has with me. And so as he sent me, so I sent you. And I'm going to send you into the world. And you are going to uh, follow me just as I follow the Father. You're going to serve me. I'm going to work in you, through you, in the same way. The same dynamic is going on. Like Jesus, we only do what the Lord is doing. Like Jesus, who does the works of his Father, sees the works of his Father, that's how we are to live and to function and to do the works that are revealed to us. We are the ones that should want nothing, nothing but to do the will of our Father in heaven, nothing but to serve our Lord Jesus, nothing but to submit to him. Why is this? Because he said, I'm going to put within you my spirit, the spirit of God. And so he is going to be the helper, the comforter, the guider, the director, the convictor, the one working in and through you, the one who is going to make the relationship very, this is almost the same way that I had it with the Father, you will have it with me and the Father by the Spirit. Which is pretty profound. Do you think that we're, what we're grafted into, what we're pulled into, what the Spirit does in us? But it's also remarkable as to what it is we're called to be and do and how we're to live the Christian life. How we're to walk with God. We are to look and see where it is that God is at work and join him in it. Just as in, in John chapter 5, Jesus said, that's what was my ministry was like. That's what I did. I was sent to do that. And I send you to do the same thing. But before we can do that, before we can see, recognize, one, God is at work in the world. And the way he wants to work is through his, his people. Unite us to himself, reveal his work to us, and then we join him in it. What do we have to do to get to that place? First of all, we have to recognize where it is God is at work, don't we? In Blackaby's book, if you've read it this week, 
for this particular chapter, he gave this great example, which I'm going to repeat for you, because I thought it was a good, practical way of thinking through how we recognize what it is God is at, how it is God is at work. And if you've already read it, well, you can hear it again. He said that while he was a pastor, the congregation began to sense God leading them to reach out to the city's college campus. And as he stated, he said, I'd never done student ministry before, nor had our church. We were advised by experts in collegiate ministry that to reach the campus, we needed to begin Bible studies in the dormitories. So for almost two years, we tried to start a Bible study in the dorms on campus. But very little came of that. Yet we're convinced that the university campus, with its thousands of young people, were a field ripe for harvest. One Sunday, I pulled our students together and said, This week, I want you to go to the campus and watch to see what God, where God is working. If God shows you where he's working, immediately join him. They asked me to explain. Think, Obviously, what are you talking about? To which he said, God has impressed on my heart two scriptures. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is none who, no one who understands, and there is no one who seeks God. Romans 3, 10 through 11. And another passage, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John six forty four. He went on to say, I explained, according to these passages, people do not seek God on their own initiative. People don't ask questions about spiritual matters unless God is at work in their lives. So when you see someone seeking God or asking questions about Christianity, you are witnessing God at work. That is something only God does in people's lives. That week, our students went on to the campus, he went on to say, watching to see where God was at work so they could join him. On Wednesday, one of our female students excitedly reported, Pastor, a girl who has been in classes with me for more than two years approached me after the class today. She said, I think you might be a Christian. I need to talk to you. We went to the cafeteria to talk, and she said, 11 of us girls in the dorm have been studying the Bible, and none of us are Christians. Do you know someone who can lead us in a Bible study? As a result of that contact, we started three Bible study groups in the women's dorms and two in the men's. For almost two years, we had tried to to do something for God and failed. Then for three days, we looked to see where God was working and what a difference that made. Over the following years, hundreds of students trusted Christ as Savior Lord through the student ministry. Now, of course, that is simply a story of one event and doesn't create a, a principle that's always true. That within three days, you start looking for God and he creates dynamic ministry. He may or may not. But it does illustrate something fairly well. It illustrates the difference between going around and doing something on your own for God and then going around looking to see where it is God is at work. In the one case, you're kind of, you're taking the initiative, you're leading. In the other case, God is taking the initiative, he's leading. In the one case, yeah, you're the leader. In the other case, you know, you're the follower. And it also illustrates for us how it is that we begin looking and thinking and asking about where is it that God is at work. And as we begin to look, you begin to see. 
as you begin to prayerfully look, is how is it that God is at work in the world around us, in the world in which you live? How is it that God is at work in your home, at the church, at your work, or at the grocery store, wherever it is that you may go? How do you know where God is at work? Well, you begin to see, and God begins to reveal to you and show you where it is he is at work. But we don't need our own agendas. We don't need to come up with our own ideas or implement our own great strategies. We simply need our eyes to be opened to see what it is God is doing around us and then join him in it. Do you realize that there's a lot more going on around you and in the lives of people around you than what even meets your eye? There's a lot happening. And if God reveals it to you, shows it to you, if you're prayerfully walking, here's what often God will do. Often God begins to show you some things that you never, you never saw before. You begin to notice people, issues, problems. You begin to notice God at work in people's lives. There's a spiritual interest for some reason. They ask you a question. You go, you know, you're, you're at the water cooler at work, and there, while you're there, you start you're having a drink, and someone comes up, and they start saying things to you in a, in a little bit of conversation, and perhaps you show a little bit of interest towards them. So something comes up, and you go, wow, this is amazing. Next thing you know, you, have you ever gotten a conversation? You're not even sure how it happened. You go from talking about something insignificant. Next thing you know, you're in the middle of, uh, of talking about God and the things of God, and you're not even sure how you made the transition. That's God is at work. And, and the more we, we become aware of what God, that God is at work around us and prayerfully start looking for where it is, God, you're at work, the more he opens your eyes and the more you can join him in that work. And sometimes this can be as simple as, as showing love and interest in others. Even asking a person, if you're aware, if your antenna is up and you're aware that God is at work, and when you ask someone how they're doing, you ask how they're doing in a different way. You're looking, and you're waiting to see, is God at work here, Lord? And sometimes people say, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Well, good. Sometimes doing great, sometimes not so good, and sometimes there's a follow-up. But one of the things you'll realize that is as you're more aware that God is at work, and one of the things he wants us to do is join him in that work, but what we need to see have is our eyes to see where he is at work. And here's something else we need to understand. Not only is God at work, and we're called to join him in that work, but the Spirit will also be at work in and through us, also to equip us for whatever it is we need to do. Because you might be asking the question, like even some of the disciples said, okay, so God reveals what he's doing in someone's life, and now we ask, so what are we to say? What are we to do? Now, all of a sudden, what we want to do is we want to, we want to have everything buttoned down so that we can, have, we can be in control because we hate the sense of not really knowing, right? Well, you don't have to figure that out because as Jesus reveals to us, he gave us the Spirit. The section between John chapter 14 and, verse, and chapter 17, that, those chapters right there, the Spirit becomes pivotal and how, minist- and how the ministry of Jesus through his people is going to be played out. The Spirit is spoken of in those chapters more than anywhere else in Scripture in reference to his work in and through the body of Christ and what he's doing and how he's working. Nowhere else in the Gospels do you see such, such an extensive treatment of this. Just for an example, Jesus says in John chapter 14, 26, that the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So he's telling them, someone's going to come. You're going to have a helper. Someone's going to, in another place he talks about a comforter. He's going to, the spirit is coming. And what's going to happen? He will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He's going to help you. He's going to be with you. And he's going to minister in you and through you. It is by the spirit that Jesus, Jesus himself, helps, empowers, convicts, guides, and directs his people. The Spirit was at work in the ministry of Jesus, and this is how it was by the Spirit that the Father was communicating even to Jesus. And this is why Jesus says in this section, believe me, it is a blessing. It's a good thing that I leave. Because when I do, the Spirit will come. And then Jesus Jesus knows, he says, listen, folks, I will be with you in a way that I could never be with you if I stayed here. Like right now, Jesus was a, when he was speaking to his apostles and the disciples there, he was a person in Canaan in one location. There he was. He says, when I go away and the spirit comes, now I will, not only do I, will I be with you, but I will be in you by the spirit, each of you, working in you and through you. So that you can be on earth like I was on earth. But the problem is, I think in so many cases with this, is that when we think about the Spirit, we talk about the Spirit in a believer's lives, we talk about more often than not the gifts of the Spirit. If you talk about the Spirit in our lives, we, we, we tend to go towards the gifts of the Spirit and, and spend time there. Not so much the work of the Spirit through us and how that works. And this is important to distinguish because it's easy for us to get focused on our gifts, which the Spirit does give us, and then look at ourselves to see how, it is God, how has God gifted me. And from there, a self-focus, we go into ministry that we believe is just fitted with our gifts. But the problem is, from my experience, is that we tend to stay away from things that don't appear to be within our gifts. We get wrapped up in our gifts, not wrapped up in the work of God by the Spirit, wrapped up in our gifts. And now we start looking through the lens of our gifts in terms of ministry. And it's a different focus. So we end up a lot of times pushing toward ministry that we think fits with our gifts. And then this really does end up being about us leading the way in ministry rather than following God in ministry. I also think this is why we, we end up with so many people in formal ministry positions who really ought not to be there. For example, you can have people who push to get into ministry, get involved in spe- specifically teaching ministry in the church because they believe they have a gift. They were talking one day in the living room and they really sensed that they were waxing eloquent and Things were going good, and they might start to believe that they have the gift. And so now they want to really push that gift, and I've seen it happen. But the only thing that they find, if they push in a direction, and we push ministry, whenever we do this, and we can easily do this, in a direction that God has not called us nor directed us, we end up with fruitless and powerless ministries, and sometimes problematic ministries. We create a lot of problems this way. 
And it shouldn't be. What we need to start doing is watching to see where it is that God is work. God is at work. Become followers. And then join him in that, trusting that the Spirit will give us what is needed to fulfill the ministry. A good example is that like, when God calls, God directs, and God calls us to something, he provides and he equips. Think of Moses, right? God says, Moses, I have something for you. Reveals to him what it is he's going to do and how he's going to use Moses. And Moses' response was, oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Do you realize, do you know what my tongue is like? Do you know how I'm not a very good speaker? How, what am I going to say? They're not going to believe me. Are, do you know who you're talking to? God says, yeah, I know who I'm talking to, but do you know who's talking to you? Do you know the one who can give a person a mouth and words to say? And this is what God, God begins to teach Moses, that he is the one who gives. He is the one who provides. He is the one who brings to mind. He is the one who helps in every way. And so if we go depending, if we move forward in ministry depending on our gifts, depending on what we have, that's not walking by faith and it's not following the Lord. The Spirit will give. If you go through these chapters and look at it, the Spirit will give what is needed. Do you need, I need to know what to say before I go. No, you don't. Because sometimes in certain situations, if we get involved in ministry and you don't know what to say, that's from God. You pray. We sometimes think we always need to know what to say. Well, if God is not bringing to mind the scriptures or what's needed to say to somebody, you should not worry about that. You should see, realize that God has not revealed this to you. But one thing I know is let me pray. At the very least, let me pray. I don't know what, I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's okay. Because if I don't know what to say, God has probably not, he's not brought it to my mind. He's not revealed it to me. And that's cool. Because what you are is a servant, a submissive servant. That's it. You follow the Lord and where it is he's working. And, you, and, and then you say what you, he, he is revealing to you in this particular situation. Because, so, you know, so often, this is what I found in my life. When I do a lot of preparing on what to say, I come up with a canned message that doesn't really apply. And I push it forward. And it completely misses the mark. But when I'm prayerfully involved in a conversation and I wait on the Lord and watch what he's doing and allow the spirit to work in and through me, and if I'm sensitive to that, I find that the conversation starts going and things get revealed and you can walk and say and talk in a guided way that's just it ministers to where they're at. I don't have something prepared like my canned message. If you would just sit there and listen to my message. If you would sit and listen to me, I could fix you right now. Well, well, no, that's not how he wants us to minister to them. Realizing that God, it's a thing, it's, it's God who has to do the work. If God is not working there, your words are useless. And when God is working there and God is working in you and through you, and you prayerfully walk forward with them, God will bring things to your mind and blow your mind. I don't know if you've ever had this wonderful experience of saying things to people and having scriptures come to your mind that you had not prepared and you're you're talking and i've shared this before you almost can have an outer body experience look at yourself saying wow where's this coming from it's not from me this 
that's actually a really good analogy. <laughs> that's actually, wow, how did I think of that scripture passage? And if you're not careful, if you don't understand the dynamics at work and the spirit working in you and through you, you will begin to think that you're something else. I'm really, I got this down. I'm a ministry machine. I got analogies. I got scripture. I'm pretty, I'm good with scripture. Yeah. And the next time you go, you'll find that you, it's like your tongue is four feet wide. You're stumbling around and you're, hey, I was usually, last time I was so good at this. What happened? What happened is God is teaching you a massive lesson. And those, that's from me, son, daughter. And it's the spirit working in you, ministering through you. And so what you need to do is be prayerfully dependent on the Lord and watch him work in and through you. Not thinking that you've got something and that you just need, a, you just need an audience and you will set everybody straight. You know, I want to close this morning by saying this. Perhaps you're hitting, sitting here and you're wondering, wow, you know what, I don't ever really see God at work. And two, I really don't ever see God working through me. We can ask, that's a good question, isn't it? Man, I, I look around, I don't see God working and I don't see him using me. What, what do I do then? Well, one of the reasons could be that we haven't prayerfully been looking. Perhaps you're just so wrapped up in your own thing, your own agenda, your own stuff, and you go through your world, you're not looking, you're not prayerfully asking God, you just do your stuff. That could be a reason. Another reason which I'm going to develop at length next week, is often the primary reason, is that God is actually working on you instead of through you. And there's why. Because you need to develop a relationship with him that's real and meaningful. And that's, God is more interested in you and working on you and developing a relationship with you than he is merely using you. And sometimes we can feel really sidelined and have a real sense that, you know, that spiritual antenna, it's just not up, and I just don't recognize God at work anywhere, and I don't see him using me. It could be, and a lot of times what it is, is the fact that we need to really develop a relationship with God, a really good relationship with God, because one of the things he really wants us to know and understand is we have to get to the place where we understand how much he loves us so that we will love him and that we will love others. Because we will only love to the degree that which we're, we, we understand and believe we're loved. We will, and, and then when that happens, when we, when we develop this relationship with God, we start to become progressively aware of what it is God's doing. God progressively uses us as we develop this relationship. One of the things you'll notice that God really will, he's delighted to use people who are passionate about Jesus. They love him. If you, if you just note and look around, like say sometimes you've got this person who's got four degrees, he's been to seminary, a couple doctorates, he knows everything, and it's almost like there's no power and God is not really using him in, in ministry much. And then you've got this, this person over here who's never been trained real much, but, but he just passionately loves Jesus, and God's just all over it. He's using this person mightily. Now, what's the, what's the thing? What's the deal here? Well, if you see where God is using people a lot of ways and they just passionately love Jesus, it's because that's the fundamental thing. That's the, that's the primary thing that God's concerned about. 
is that we know his love and love him. Now, if all those degrees and the doctorates and everything else do not create the heart to love God, if your heart does not explode in you know, doxology or praise from your theology, you've got a problem. Getting to know God, the whole point of it is that we would know him and love him more, understanding how much it is that he loves us, understanding how great he is, understanding how majestic he is, understanding how good he is, understanding how powerful he is. The whole point, the point of it all, is that your heart would explode looking at him, delighting in him, and going, wow, Isn't he amazing? You find me one person who's just absolutely passionate about Jesus and loves him because of how much they they know he loves them, and you will see God mightily use that person. And perhaps what it is for us, maybe God is not revealing where he's at work and not using you very much because what God's not working through you, he's working on you. He's trying to get at things in your life and show you where you have idols Show you where you just your heart's cold, your heart's dead. You really don't love God. Yeah, you do your couple read, you know, chapters a day. You do your little prayers. You go to work. You do your thing, right? But do you love God? What's your relationship like with Him? And that's primary. That's fundamental. And as we develop that relationship, God starts working in and through us. And that's what we're going to look at in depth next week. Is that the primary and fundamental relationship that we need to have with God? So as we close this down this morning, let us realize this. As you leave here today, that in this room, right around you, the people here, God is at work. God is at work in your home. God is at work at your community. Start to prayerfully Say, God, show me where your work. Even as you visit, as we're done here, pray that God will give you eyes to see. Perhaps there's someone here that really needs a hug, really needs an encouraging word, really needs some support, really needs something. Pray that God would give you eyes to see, that he would reveal that to you, and then you can minister however he might want to use you, even if it's as simple as a hug or a prayer. Father, we're very thankful. We're thankful that you do work in us and through us and around us. And it's just an incredible blessing to be used by you. Father, I ask for us that you would give us eyes to see, to see where it is that you're at work around us. As we go from here, we're in the grocery store, at work, or wherever we're at in our homes, in this church, wherever we're around people, that we would prayerfully ask you to reveal to us where is it you're at work, oh God. Show it to us, that we might go and minister, have you minister through us to them. Work in us, Father, work through us. We submit our lives to you. Here we are for you, for your glory, Lord Jesus. Have your way with us and use us so that you would be glorified. Amen.